Hello and welcome to the Aftershock post-game show. My name is Alex Morgan. I'm here with Jamin Moore after the San Jose Earthquakes 2-0 victory over LAFC at PayPal Park. We're going to break it all down. We're going to be joined by Matias Almeida and a player or two in the post-match press conference later. But Jamin, I want to start with this victory a fairly comfortable victory for San Jose, it felt like. It was their first victory by more than one goal, more than a one-goal margin uh, since May, since their 4-1 uh, win over DC United back in May. So what happened tonight? How were the San Jose Earthquakes able to pull this one off, Jamin? Well, Matias Almeida, uh, you know, did something a bit different. Uh, he came out in a unbalanced formation and I was kind of rubbing my eyes for the first five minutes going, I'm really not seeing this right. There's something going on. Judson must be playing right back or there's something I'm, I'm missing here. Uh, but no, it, it turns out he was actually only playing Marcos Lopez on the left and he was playing two attackers on the right. And honestly, they went up against a kind of a decimated LAFC side, right? Um, you know, they uh, obviously Diego Rossi has gone to Turkey. Uh, Carlos Vela's out. Atuesta's out. Um, Brian uh, Brian uh, Hernandez is out. Like you know, it's it you know it's just like one after another. Like the dominoes were almost falling. And uh, you know, Mark Anthony K as we know now in Colorado. So like the players that you're typically used to seeing, uh, you know, LAFC roll out. Uh, you know, they're not there. And, uh, you know, so it, it felt like a game that was there for the taking. Sure enough, it was. Um, and I felt that the first half was sloppy after they scored the goal. Um, a lot of giveaways that potentially could have come back to bite. But the problem was LAFC just didn't have an attack that felt organized tonight. They, they weren't really uh, set up to be able to punish the earthquakes for the mistakes that they made. And as a result, the, the quakes got to halftime. And then we're able to increase the lead. And I felt that that's when they really kind of settled in and just kind of controlled the game from that point. I mean, about midway through the second half, they had like a 25-30 pass sequence where they just kicked it around for a bit, ended up going back to JT. JT just kicks it long. And, you know, it they, they burned about a couple minutes of clock just like passing the ball around. And, uh, you know, it, it was a game that uh, did feel like the quote unquote comfortable win that we just haven't seen from this side in a while. What did, what did, what did you see tonight? You know, Alex, uh, that uh, you, you think made it so that it felt as comfortable as it did at times. I mean, I was just surprised how poor LAFC looked, Jamin. We talked to Matias Almeida on Wednesday uh, in his midweek press conference about what he expected from uh, LAFC and he said, look, even though they haven't been getting the results, they're still dangerous and we shouldn't underestimate them and we need to watch out for them. But none of that really came to fruition tonight. They didn't create any quality chances. They never looked particularly dangerous. And that just made it easy for the Quakes. I mean, I'm seeing in the comments here that rare win where it still felt like the Quakes were in control at the end. They were just able to control the game from the get-go. And obviously it helps getting the early goal, uh, getting those two goals. The Quakes didn't even really have to do much. It was LAFC had two sort of poor defensive errors. They weren't able to clear the ball. And the Quakes were there to capitalize. You have Benji Kakanovich with a goal-scoring performance. Uh, he's clearly claimed, I think, the starting number nine position up top now after an assist last weekend uh, goal this weekend. And then it's just trophies. It's all about trophies and in the middle of the park. And I'm seeing here early in the comments, trophies, trophies, the goat. That's absolutely right. Uh, with the stats that he's putting in now, another goal and another assist tonight. Uh, it's just absolutely incredible the way that he's dominating these games and finding himself in those crucial pockets of space. And yeah, it was just that sort of effectiveness, sufficiency, clinicality in the final third that the Quakes had tonight that feels very new. They're creating a lot of high-quality chances, a lot of cutbacks, a lot of crosses. And yeah, it was just, a, I, I thought, a all-around performance from, from the Quakes tonight. I can't remember a performance that felt this easy uh, for them. And I do want to talk more about 
the unbalanced uh, formation that you mentioned, Jamin, uh, because they weren't playing with any uh, left wingers. Chofis, uh, Judson, Eric Rometty, and Jackson Ewell were all in the midfield together. And I think that was the first time we've seen sort of that sort of unconventional lopsided formation from Matias Almeida. So I'm curious how you thought uh, that affected the game and, you know, why he sort of set up that way uh, with four midfielders and no left winger. Well, one of the things that I kind of noticed is that it probably was going to be a game that was set up for like the three, five, two or something like that. But uh, Tanner Beeson, you know, not in the 20 tonight, not in the starting lineup. And I, I'm pretty sure he was, he was not listed in the 20. And it, it, I think there was kind of this, um, Matias just was in a position where he wanted to make sure that he got three points out of this game. Um, I think he had this kind of tactical strategy and I'm interested to see what he says in the post-game press conference. If anything, he could blow off the question entirely when we ask him about the unbalanced formation. But I think it's worth asking and seeing, you know, what he saw that made him think that that was a viable opportunity. I, I think one of the things that you got out of it was an opportunity to see Shofis, Jackson, Remedi, and uh, and um, uh, Judson all at the same time in the central midfield. In fact, Shofis to me actually felt a bit like a second striker um, mm -hmm. at times, like more like an underneath forward than he did really a 10. Um, and uh, he kept playing a bit high. And I think like the way that they were pressing was a bit flat up top. The perfect uh, example the being San Jose's goal was the perfect example. Uh, yeah, of that, ex where exactly. He wins the ball off of Benji Kukanovich, holds it up just a little bit, and then plays in the pass. That's the perfect example of like a second striker type play. Right, it, it, and that's where I kind of you know started to noticing that it was a little bit flatter uh, and a little bit more like two up top than it than than it was underneath. But I, I think it was an interesting uh, way to get all four of those players onto the pitch, if unconventional. Um, I'm not sure, like. I would necessarily roll that out on the road uh, with, uh, you know, points on the line that would be necessary to get in the playoffs, but it worked tonight. And uh, I think part of the reason it worked tonight was because LAFC just, just lacking uh, very many attacking options as well. And what's interesting is that, you know, for the last couple of weeks, Trophies has really succeeded in a wide role. And we were talking, I think last weekend on the show about, how, Oh, Trophies is a winger now. Uh, this is his most effective position, being able to cut in on that left foot uh, and be dangerous that way. But then tonight he's going back in the middle, which wasn't an obvious change, I guess. But Almeida clearly identified that weakness in LIFC's uh, defense because the Quakes were just popping up in those positions the whole game. Uh, you know, that's where Trophy scores from. That's where he gets the ball and finds Benji Kukanovic. LIFC's defense could just it couldn't keep up in that uh, area of the field tonight, Jamin. Looks like we're going to get Matias potentially soon. We're hearing hearing now from uh, Quicks PR that um, uh, they're getting getting ready on their end. So it sounds like he may be joining us quickly tonight, which would be nice, of course, and tends to do that after wins, <laughs> definitely more so than losses. Diane with a good question here. Uh, Espinoza now uh, will face a yellow card. Uh, suspension from tonight. Can Espinoza's yellow be taken away? You know, it was one of the things that I was mentioning in the chat that, you know, if he had gotten a second yellow tonight um, and he always plays aggressively, and by the way, we've seen him get a couple couple yellows in, in two games in the past. Um, so it definitely can happen. Um, can it be taken away? You know, the, there was, I think, a good fair question as to whether there was a bit of a dive for simulation there or whether there was contact, you know, it's, I, you can kind of see it from the referee's perspective there um, for it, but at the same time, there was contact um, and it just not enough for a, for a PK, right? So what do you think uh, we could see there? Is it worth the Quakes appealing that because it does in this case result in a yellow card suspension? What do you think, Alex? I'm not sure if it's worth the appeal, Jamin, because he definitely simulated uh, the dive, but uh, I think the yellow was harsh just because when the defender is lunging in with a dangerous challenge, sort of at ankle height like that, 
Espinosa has to take his angles, angles out of that challenge. If he plants his leg, he's going to get hurt. So I think that's why you saw him carry his momentum and jump out of that tackle the way he did. So a yellow card was harsh, but I'm not sure if there's going to be grounds for appeal because he clearly did simulate it and embellish uh, the challenge when the contact was very light yeah. um, at, at best, I think. Um, but, you know, I thought that was another example of the Quakes getting – into the box and playing those dangerous passes in behind. And, you know, that's something we were talking about a little bit before the show that you were saying the Quakes are getting in those dangerous situations and creating higher quality chances than they used to do. So I want to hear what you thought about that, Jamin, how the Quakes are, uh, you know, able to create these chances and the ways in which they were successful in those higher areas of the field tonight. Yeah. So what Alex is talking about is uh, that uh, the first goal came off of a through ball on a breakaway. Um, the type of ball that gives you a very high percentage chance. It's what Opta, when they will code it, will call a big chance. It's it's something that probably is going to be in their neighborhood of a, a 40 to 50% uh, type chance in some of those one-on-one uh, -on -one through ball breakaways and behind the defense. Um, and, you know, that's not something we've really seen a lot from this team this year, despite the fact that they've got the speed up top to get in behind defenses. You know, that's not the way that, uh, that you know, they have been attacking. And then the finish from Chofis, uh, I believe it's from Marcos Lopez, correct? Um, who got the correct. assist on that. Um, you know, that was a cutback. You know, it would be ping-ponged around a bit, but when it finally settled to Lopez's feet, he played it to Chofis, who's basically waiting on the penalty dot. That counts as a cutback. And, and you know, Chofis, by the way, has finished two out of the three cutback shots he's taken this season. You know, and, and those finish at around a 30% rate, too. And he's, a you know, he's two out of three. So those are the types of high-quality chances when we talk about why cutbacks are dangerous, why through balls are dangerous, why you want to be hitting progressive passes and cutbacks are progressive because they move 25% closer to the goal, even though they go backwards, you know, those are the best open play opportunities that there are. And, uh, you know, that, that's like, that's what I think was on tonight. Like it felt like there was space for the quakes to be able to attack. And, you know, I wrote this week about the speed of Benji Kakanovich. Uh, and Cade Cowell. And I was Christian waiting Espinoza. for you to mention this, Javen. I was yeah, waiting well, for yeah, you to come mention on. It's a quick talk <laughs> center show. It's our show. Of course, we're going to mention it. Uh, yeah, we, I mean, I wrote about it this week, and lo and behold, Benji Kakanovich, I think tonight people recognize how fast he is. In fact, so fast. And this is what I, this is, this is, this is the fun, the funnest part of the night to me. Set the, set the uh, goal aside because that was fun. But um, the funnest part of the night to me was that at one point he was closing down on a defender and had taken away the pass back to the goalkeeper. They were so afraid to make the pass that LAFC kicked the ball out of bounds and gave the Quakes a throw in, like in the final third. And I was just like, okay, well, then I think you're kind of acknowledging how fast Benji Kanovich is at that point. Yes. Tell Kate. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Alex, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, uh, Kate's Kate's family were certainly uh, not very happy with the fact that we had raced with Benji this week. How, I think uh, whether he's faster than Kate, but but it's close. And my article kind of proves that why it's so close. I, I think it's worth breaking down your article a little bit more, Jamin, just because the stats behind it are so interesting. We heard from Benji Kikanovich himself uh, on Wednesday. Uh, he said that he had actually raced. Uh, Cade Cowell, and he wouldn't tell us the outcome of that race. He said we should ask Cade, but uh, the implication... This, of course, is not going to be on the press conference for us to ask tonight, so uh, that's not going to happen anytime soon. But the implication is that Benji Kikanovich thinks he's faster, and you were able to access some uh, really insightful data, I thought, second-spectrum data that MLS collects about the pace, and the second-spectrum data, I thought, actually revealed... Uh, some more nuance to this. So I want to give yeah. you the, the opportunity to dive into the data um, because I know that's that's always a fun time with you, Javen. Yeah, and I and uh, by the way, I think we are going to get Benji tonight again. So, um, you know, that'll be a, a good opportunity to talk to him uh, as well. Um, but yeah, uh, uh, you know, so uh, Cade uh, does have the fastest record. I'll go ahead and, and kind of give the bottom line in the article up front. 
Cade does have the individual fastest on-field uh, sprint uh, this season, and that's without looking at the data at this game. It's possible that you know Benji or, or even Marcos Lopez recorded a faster time tonight because they both had had uh, some pretty fast runs in there. Um, but uh, Cade, I mean, and we're talking like we're talking tiny, tiny margins. The difference between like 23 miles an hour and 22 miles an hour. And, and fractions, you know, so they're both extremely fast. That's what you need to know. I still want to see a lineup of Cade on the left, Benji in the middle, and Espinoza on the right. Um, and uh, with Marcos Lopez on the wing, that's probably just about the fastest lineup you can you can throw out there, maybe in all of MLS. It's actually a, an extremely fast lineup. And then when you break it down in different categories, the ground covered and everything, uh, and Shea Salinas is up there in a lot of categories as well, but but Benji and Kate are in almost every single category and Marcos Lopez quite often as well. Um, Shea Salinas quite often as well, you know, so the, the Quakes do got a bit of, bit of pace. And, and I felt that that was a big deal in this game. I felt that their ability you know, to be able to press and be able to move very quickly and provide that pressure, you know, and, and that's winning the second balls and then using the amount of space that they were able to get from LAFC tonight because LAFC was down and they had to get the ball forward. And sometimes that meant kicking it long. And if the Quakes were able to win those second balls and then use that space, that's where we saw them really kind of look dangerous in, in various situations, including, you know, winning the ball and being able to turn that into a goal in the third minute of the game. I don't think it's just pace, Jim, and I think that there are lots of other things that make uh, Benji Kikanovic dangerous as well. I think Absolutely. you saw his link-up play tonight with Chofis was really strong. Chofis had another very similar pass to Kikanovic, uh, and he kind of flushed the uh, fluffed the, the the finish there. Right. But they had a couple really strong connections, and so that's a partnership that I'm looking forward to, to seeing continue to grow. And uh, I've, I've been really impressed with sort of. Uh, Kikanovic's uh, positioning and uh, his ability to get on the ball. He said midweek that one of the things that he wanted to improve was getting involved in the game more. And I'm hearing right now that Matias Almeida will be joining us in the next minute or two. So I'm going to uh, quickly wrap up here my comment. But uh, it felt like tonight that he was able to get in those spots more. And he was able to accomplish that goal that he was talking about. Uh, and I know that you've been following Benji Kikanovic for a long time. Uh, he played in Reno uh, mm -hmm. for the San Jose Earthquakes affiliate when Reno 1868 were their uh, affiliates. And it's been pretty remarkable to see his career trajectory over the last year and a half, Jamin, and if you want to sort of tell the story and what you've seen from him over that time. Yeah. So, you know, actually, we got to see a couple of Reno players uh, tonight as well. Looks like and looks like Matias is joining us. So we will cut away for that. Hi, Matthias. Thank you for taking the time. Congratulations, you know, on, on the uh, the win and the overall performance, you know, felt strong, particularly in the second half. Um, you started the game, interestingly, with a bit of uh, an unbalanced formation, two players on the right side, one player on the left side. Uh, it was something that I don't think we've seen uh, this year starting a game so far. Um, it seemed very successful. You know, what was your reason to to do that tonight, and uh, why do you think it worked as well as it did? Muted. Creo que hicimos un partido muy inteligente. Planificamos este tipo de partido contra esa formación que tenía el rival. Y los jugadores supieron interpretarlo y, y respondieron muy bien al, bueno, al cambio de esquema que, que habíamos hecho en este partido. Thank you. Let's go over to Alex Morgan next. 
Hi, Matthias. Uh, thank you for joining us tonight, and congratulations on the victory. Um, Benji Kikanovich uh, had a goal very early in this game, uh, and it feels like another game that he's making uh, a really positive contribution up top. Um, I'm curious, you know, what are the things that you think uh, makes him uh, really dangerous and, uh, you know, how he's continued to grow uh, game after game? Benji metió un gol eh, muy temprano en el partido. Eh, parece que Benji está eh, dándole mucho al equipo en ofensiva. Eh, ¿Qué lo permite a Benji ser eh, tan peligroso en tu opinión y cómo sigue creciendo partido tras partido? Bueno, creo que Benji es uno de estos jóvenes que, que está aprendiendo día a día. I think Benji is one of these youngsters that's learning day by day. Que ha interpretado a la perfección la identidad que queremos que tengan los jugadores. He's understood perfectly the identity that we want the players to have con San José. With San Jose. Y bueno, es un joven que, que tiene velocidad, que tiene buen juego aéreo, tiene buena técnica. The youngster with good speed, good aerial game, good technique. Y realmente trabaja mucho para el equipo. He really works a lot for the team. Eh, y hoy tuvo la posibilidad de, de concretar una, una gran acción de gol que tuvo y, y, y lo hizo. Un gran gol ante un gran pase de, de Chofi. And today he was able to put away a great chance that he had. It was a great goal after a great pass from Chofis. Pero después trabajó mucho para el equipo en fase defensiva. After that, he worked a lot for the team defensively. Eh, y realmente me gustó mucho por él. Siempre que los jóvenes progresan, me da mucho placer por ellos y por el club. And I really like it for him. Whenever the youngsters um, um, perform well, it makes me happy for themselves and for them and for the club. Thank you. We're going to take two more in English, starting with Fabian Renkel. Hi, Matias. Thank you for your time. Congratulations on the win. Thank you. I want to go ahead and ask you, what is, are some things you're telling the players every game is going to be a final, right? You're looking outside in on the playoffs. What are some things that you're telling the players in the locker room? Thank you. Eh, porque obviamente el club ahora no está en posición de playoff, pero está luchando para entrar, ¿qué le decís a los jugadores? Bueno, nosotros, mientras la matemática den, vamos a tratar de ser competitivos y luchar hasta el final. For us, as long as the math is there, we're going to be competitive and we'll compete till the end. ¿Saben la mentalidad que trato de transmitirle? You know the, the, the mentality I try to transmit to them. Bueno, a veces lo hemos reflejado y otras veces nos falta un poquito, pero en líneas generales ellos vienen entregando muchísimo. Sometimes we see reflected, other times we're missing a bit, but generally we're happy with it. Thank you, Matias. We're going to take one more in English from Michael Roberson. Okay, hola y buenas noches in Trinidad. How gratifying is it to coach all-time leading scorer with Luando, uh, and then you have the uh, all-star with Cade, and then Chofis is on fire right now. So how does it feel to coach these three? ¿Cómo se siente tener como entrenador tener a Gregoriano Histórico? Y obviamente dos jóvenes como Cade y Benji que están haciendo bien este año. ¿Cómo se siente tener esos tres jugadores? No, para mí yo no hago un balance de dos o tres jugadores. Para mí me da placer entrenarlos a todos. I don't make a balance of two or three players. It gives me pleasure to coach all the guys. Mi trato hacia ellos es con todo igual. My treatment towards them is always the same. Lo importante es que todos crezcan, los grandes, los jóvenes y nosotros también. The important thing is that everybody grows, the older guys, the younger guys, and us as well. Thank you. We're going to switch over to the Spanish portion now and take two questions, starting with Pedro Ortiz on behalf of Carlos Eustis. Carlos Eustis, de Telemundo, le pregunta, profe, que el equipo ganó con mucho esfuerzo y sufriendo contra Austin. Usted hoy diría que fue un partido redondo, no solo por el resultado, pero también por el funcionamiento. Bueno, creo que el partido pasado hay un gran mérito de los jugadores por haber levantado ese resultado adverso, que era 3 a 1 el primer tiempo, eh, y darlo vuelta después de haber perdido 4 a 3 el partido anterior, creo que el equipo mostró una gran fortaleza, eh, convicción, y un equipo que nos entrega, más allá de que el resultado era adverso. Entonces, si bien futbolísticamente no había sido lo mejor, pero creo que hay 
digamos, terminamos ganando el partido y era lo que, a lo que fuimos a buscar porque era de visitante. Eh, entonces hay cosas negativas y muchas positivas. El partido de hoy, sobre todo el rival, también muy complicado. Un equipo formado para, para pelear el, el, el torneo. Y creo que hicimos un partido con otra estrategia. Partido inteligente. Y un partido donde los jugadores eh, estuvieron más compactos. Eh, con más atención. Y con más confianza. Thank you, Matias. Our final question comes from Paula Maruri. All right, we seem to be having some, some difficulties here, so that's going to be it for us tonight. Thank you, Matias and Augustine. Thank you. Okay, so we just heard from Matias Almeida. Alex will join me back here in just a minute. Um, let me uh, let me get things kind of transitioned back here. And of course, as soon as we have uh, have another player, we will go back over to that. Alex, back to the stream here. Uh, so Matias Almeida sound like you know had had this formation ready to go for just a situation like this something that they had been practicing, I, I think for the reasons that we talked about, being able to get all four of those skill players in the central midfield and, and, and forward as possible in the game. In fact, quite a bit, uh, I think we saw, you know, Jutsen sometimes playing the lone guy back and the other three, you know, between Shofis and, and um, Remedi and, and Yule all getting forward in the attack really helped create kind of an effective attack because they were winning a lot of the balls in the central midfield, getting it wide like they often do. Um, the press was fairly effective tonight, getting LAFC to be able to pass. You know, it really did feel like a pretty solid game plan. What did you take from Almeida's comments? Yeah, I, I'm impressed with the way he was able to be pragmatic. Uh, you know, that's something I think we talked about a lot over the course of the last year is the extent to which he's been dogmatic and uh, very much wedded to uh, his man marking system, uh, the 4-2-3-1. Uh, and then over the last month and a half, maybe sort of being willing to experiment more to abandon that man marking formation uh, and shift things up more. And I thought that was really useful for the Quakes tonight. And I think they're going to need that uh, in order to launch a, a playoff run. Looking at the table now, they're you know, three points away uh, from that uh, playoff line. So they'll need more of that tactical flexibility going forward, I think. And some other things that I took away from his comments uh, about Benji Kukanovic uh, was the defensive work that Benji Kukanovic put in off the ball. Because you had mentioned that, Jamin, the fact that Benji Kukanovic uh, was causing LAFC a lot of problems with his energy, his speed, uh, and his pressing, uh, and how the Quakes were able to win the ball up in uh, high areas, dangerous areas, uh, because of that. and. Uh, so, yeah, I, I want to turn it back over to you, Jamin, because I know we were talking about Benji uh, a little bit before the press conference, uh, you know, what you took away from his thoughts there. And uh, if, if you want to continue uh, more about uh, the Benji Vukanovic story. Yeah, obviously, we uh, we got to see um, got to see him uh, play at Reno a bit last year. Unfortunately, I think right around the time he was starting to get going, he, he suffered a bit of an injury. And then, you know, we, we didn't really get to see everything he's capable of, but because he's played, uh, soccer in Northern California for quite some time, both at Sacramento state and up in, uh, I believe Marin County, you know, there's a lot of people who have gotten to see Benji over the years. And of course that means, you know, uh, people like Chris Leach, who has been very engaged in being able to track area players. And of course, you know, the coaching, uh, the, not the coaching staff, sorry, the scouting staff uh, led by uh, Bruno Costa. Um, you know, th those are players that they uh, are able to, to constantly keep track of. One of the things that, uh, you know, happened with Benji when he was playing up at Sacramento State is that he was so successful as, you know, a freshman uh, in the, his sophomore year Every, the, everyone's game plan was just to foul him and try to almost take him out of the game. And he got so frustrated with that, he literally like quit college and went pro 
just so he could just be done with that. He was afraid he was going to suffer injuries because he was playing at players basically below his level. Um, and uh, it was kind of dangerous for him because, you know, he was so far ahead of them. And so it was, uh, he turned pro and went to Reno uh, uh, after, uh, I believe, a tryout that the Earthquakes used to have at the stadium for Reno, where uh, a lot of players from the area would come in and, and, uh, and such. And that's where, you know, the, the Quakes kind of, you know, had been tracking him, but definitely decided that they wanted to bring him into uh, the squad in Reno. And then you know, with Reno folding this year, it presented an opportunity to be able to, to bring him into the team. One of the things that we had heard about him was that unlike some of the other uh, Reno players that were more like finishers, um, you know, he was actually somebody who had a lot more ability than just pure finishing. He's got the finishing ability, but like you mentioned, Alex, he's got the ability to press. He's got the holdup play. He's fairly technical with, with the ball. We saw him work a couple times out of tight areas. One time held the ball a little bit too long, ended up turning into a, a turnover that that LAFC uh, got a shot off of. But, um, you know, those are learning moments. He's going to have to, you know, realize he's up against, you know, quality MLS professionals now and uh, and knowing when to hold on to the ball, uh, when to be able to make the pass. You know, when do you use that footwork that he's got uh, to be able to make a play? That's just going to be have to be something that he figures out because I mean he hasn't had that many games as a starting nine in MLS. What is this his second or third, um, you know, game uh, so far? He got the shot in Colorado but ended up getting uh, taken off at, at halftime. So you know this is a pretty new thing for him, and uh, you know he's going to need a little bit of time to figure it out. But the fact that he's this far in already has two goals and an assist to his name and just a bit over 300 minutes, you know, that's a really good start to an, to an MLS career for a 21 year old player who basically just came out of college, went to USL for a season and now is playing in MLS. And I think that the fact that the quakes were willing to take a chance on him in the first place is a sign of growth within this organization. Uh, because for a long time, I don't think they gave the USL and the players coming out of Reno uh, the due respect that they deserve. And I think you saw an interesting contrast tonight with Danny Musowski starting up top for LAFC. He was a player who also played in Reno, who many of us thought the Quakes should sign a couple years ago after his contract was up in Reno, Reno folded. Um, and the Quakes didn't sign him. To our surprise, the Quakes did not sign Danny Musowski. They didn't include him in their plans. And he went to LAFC instead, where he's been pretty successful. And so for the Quakes, I think, to have learned from that mistake and be willing to take a chance on Benji and sign him directly out of Reno and trust in that development pathway is a positive sign for this organization, Jamin. Uh, I don't know if you have any more thoughts on sort of that uh, trajectory uh, or if you're ready to move on to the, the next topic. Well, just the one thing, and, and one thing that just to remind people, because uh, not everyone gets to be with us on every show, that... Uh, we are going to see a player pathway reestablished next year. Jackson Yule's joining us now. We're gonna let's go over to that. Congratulations, of course, on the victory. Um, tonight's midfield looked a little bit different. Uh, you had, you know, obviously you. Uh, Judson, Eric Rometty in there, but then Trophies was also playing a little more centrally, it looked like. Um, so you kind of had four players in that midfield area. So I'm wondering, you know, what the idea was uh, with that and how that changed the way you uh, you played in there. Um, yeah, you know, uh, you know, these last 10 games here, we've, we know that we, we need to get um, wins and we need to get wins at home in, in particular. And, um, you know, part of that is, is being able to have control of the ball and 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 the way we press and um, you know having Eric and and Jutson in the midfield with myself is I think um, really helps the team team a lot and so it's it's important to try to fit everyone in there and then of course um, try to fit Chopies in in his natural position as a number ten and, and get him on the ball as much as possible and so um, I think it was you know a little bit of of what LFC showed to try to. Um, you know, work, work against them and, and try to find the right spots to, to get him on the ball, to, to find the, the right passes in behind. And, and as you saw in the first goal, he was able to do that. 
Um, but I think tactically that was um, kind of the um, the plan was to to get him in the ball in in, in central locations and try to um, work around him and um, you know try to eliminate their their quality, which is which is their midfielder as well. So um, that was kind of the reasoning for it, and, and I think it worked well today. Thank you, Jackson. Next question from Jamin Moore. Unmuted. Hey, Jackson. Thank you for uh, taking the time to join us. Congratulations, you know, on the win. And I, I want to uh, go a little further on what Alex was saying there. Uh, you guys rolled out uh, a bit of an unbalanced formation, two, two players on the right, but only Marcos Lopez on the left in order to be able to get the four players on the pitch that, that he talked about. Um, but it also did feel like you guys were able to attack through the middle a lot more successfully then I think uh, the team often has been able to attack quite often. You guys like to play through your wingers and go wide and, and then be able to come back inside. You know, what gave you guys kind of the thought process tonight in this uh, unbalanced formation? What is it that you kind of saw uh, in LAFC setup that where you thought that this might be a good opportunity to do that? And, uh, you know, how did you feel about uh, kind of that, that shift in game plan and the way it worked out? Uh, yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, I think LAFC has has changed. You know, playing you with, with five in the back, and so um, we had to adapt to that. You know, they have they have great players all over the field, and and we needed to to compensate for that. And so a little bit was was changing and and adapting to to the game at hand. Um, and I think um, you know having having trophies in there is kind of a free roll, and um, you know just the ground that that Jutsen can, can can cover makes up a lot of gaps that. That, that are present in, in certain sides. And, you know, I think, um, you know, Christian's mobility and Marco's mobility on, on, the, on the wing gives us uh, a really big advantage to, to play a little bit more aggressive and, and you know, try to be a little bit more um, attacking oriented on, on the wingers with them and, and, and leave them free. And um, so I think the, the positioning was, was based off of what we thought we could do to, to hurt them in through the middle and, you know, trying to trying to find trophies and, and play those balls in behind to to Christian and Benji and, and, and you know, try to, um, you know, exploit spaces that, that, that we thought we could. And so that was the reasoning for it. And, um, you know, today was a great performance by, by everyone on the field and really, really um, hard-earned and well-earned three points. Thank you, Jackson. Uh, you guys have now won back-to-back -back matches for the first time since May. Do you think the team is hitting its stride at the right time? Uh, you know, there's there's still a lot of games left. You know, it's still really close. Um, and these two games um, are, are important for us. You know, we've kind of narrowed down to the last third of the season. And, and this is where, um, you know, I think we, we learned from our first year to last year of when to, when to push and, and when to hit our stride. You know, I think... We hit a really good stride last year going into playoffs and, and that helped us a lot. And, you know, I think the team right now is in, is in a really good spot, you know, collectively as a group, you know, how we're playing, how we're interacting with each other, the, the motivation, the, you know, just the dialogue in, in the locker room, I think is, is really positive and really great. And, um, you know, it showed tonight that um, guys have desire to win and, and to, even though it's going to be close, I think up until the end, guys have a desire to push for playoffs and, and try to get up in the table as high as we can and, and to, um, you know, play as best as we can because um, we believe that um, these games are important and that we're able to do it. And so I think right now there's still there's still a lot of games to play and, and a lot of things can happen, but the team is in, is in a really good spot. Thank you. We're going to take two more questions, starting with Fabian Rankle. Hey, Jackson, thank you for your time today. Congratulations on the win. I wanted to ask you a little more of a more of a lighthearted question. I know you, Yudsen, and Rometty all speak a different kind of first language. What are some things that you guys do to, you know, kind of get that chemistry down? Or are there some things that you're learning in Portuguese? Or is there some things that you're learning in Spanish? Thank you. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty easy actually. Even if like those guys speak, um, you know, Yudsen speaks pretty good um, Spanish and and pretty good English. And same thing with Eric and. Um, you know, so the communication, I think, over this year, and, you know, I've played with Jutsen for the past two and a half years now, and, um, you know, I think a lot of it is, is nonverbal, and, and that's why I really, really like playing with those two is because, you know, we can look at each other and, and we kind of know where the other person is going to be. You know, we do a lot of planning during the week of knowing um, how, how to mark and, and, and how to move off of each other, and, and I think that, that trust is building and building, and um, 
So a lot of it is not speaking. It's, it's you know, kind of looking at each other, pointing, and then um, when, it, when we do speak, it is a lot of uh, mixed Spanish, mixed English, but um, I think everyone kind of does it well. And, you know, it's kind of a mixture and culture of, of the whole, whole group. And so it's, it's pretty fun to be a part of. And um, even if we all don't speak the same first language, I think we, we all understand each other really well. Thank you, Jackson. One final question from Michael Roberson. Michael, if you're there, go ahead and un unmute your microphone. Okay. All right, sorry about that. All right, Jackson, how impressive is it to be out there on the field with trophies when hot? A hat trick uh, last game here and six goals in September, 11 overall. So what is it like to be out on the field with somebody playing that well? Yeah, it's it's fantastic for the team. You know, he's such a great guy on and off the field, and, and his qualities have been showing recently. Um, you know, I think the guys around him are are realizing his, his qualities and and knowing that he he's he's got a talent and he's he's scoring goals and, and he's confident and he's he's enjoying it and he makes everyone else and enjoy and, and play play well and so you know it's great having a player like him in and around and, and motivated to to play and um, you can tell by the way he passes his shooting his dribbling that that he's enjoying it and um, that makes everyone else enjoy it. You know, it's 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 a joy to to watch him play and um, to you know try to find him on the field in, in good spots and um, we hope he can keep going and because he's a really important part of the team. All right, thank you very much, Jackson. Congrats again on the three points. Thank you so much. All right, guys, Benji Kikanovich will be joining us very shortly. Okay, and uh, yeah, we uh, we just heard there uh, from Quakes PR that Benji Kukanovich is gonna join us uh, very quickly. In fact, they basically are just gonna slap a microphone on him. He was ready and waiting to go. So we are probably gonna cut over really quickly. Alex, you know, just any quick thoughts off of uh, what we heard from Jackson Yule there? Well, I think the point that he brought up that the Quakes are hitting their stride now uh, is a good one to hit on because there's only so many games left in this season Jamin, and the Quakes are in a really tight battle. They always seem to put themselves in this position. If you look at the MLS table, there are now uh, three teams in the Western Conference sitting on 33 points. Uh, Real Salt Lake sitting on 36 points. And this is exactly the same time uh, that they picked up last season. They had a good run of form in October. And the way that these last three years have gone for Matias Almeida feels like this team is very hot and cold. They have almost patterns that repeat themselves in terms of the, the way that this team plays and in the form that they go on. And right now it feels like it's picking up. And I think that's a good sign for San Jose, Jamin. Yeah, I think this is a great comment here about, uh, you know, why the Quakes have, have improved. They've, they've changed a bit of their style of play. Uh, Almeida has shown an adaptability he did not show in previous seasons. We were quite critical of him on Black and Azul, both of us. Um, in fact, I would say, you know, after the Seattle game last year, we both asked for him to, to, you know, either resign or be fired. And, uh, you know, all right, we're going to go to Benji Kakanovich. Unmuted. Hi, ben Hi, Benji. Thank you for taking the time. Uh, congratulations on the goal and the win tonight. Uh, we were talking uh, just a few days ago about uh, about your speed. And we got to see a bit of it tonight as you put on those afterburners, getting in behind the uh, LAFC defense for the goal there. And you had another opportunity that didn't quite uh, pan out, but maybe take us through those situations, kind of what you saw, uh, you know, in the run developing there and uh, how you were able to uh, to use the pace and, 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 and get the goal. I mean, I knew it right as Trophy's got the ball, uh, all three of the defenders, they just looked at him, and I was like, I'm just going to run in, in behind them. And I know Trophy's good enough to play me the ball on time and play me a good weighted ball. And I just went, and he played it on time, and then I just took a touch by the keeper and just put it away. So it was a great ball by Trophy's, and there's not much to it. Thank you. Next question from Alex Morgan. Hi, Benji. Thanks for joining us today. Congrats on the, the victory and on the goal as well. Um, one of the things that we talked about uh, on Wednesday 
was that you said you wanted to get more involved uh, in the run of play and get on the ball more often. I'm curious if that's something you thought you were able to do tonight, if you're able to accomplish that more uh, and how you were able to do that. Yeah, I mean, I thought I, I did better than the last game. Um, so I think each game, as long as I'm improving, uh, it's good for me, it's good for the team. Um, obviously, it wasn't the best, but it is what it is. We, we got to win, and then we're just going to keep on going. Um, I think the more that I play and kind of get some more minutes uh, under my belt, then I should be all right. But I think today was much better than last game. So it's improvement, but it's not uh, good enough. So. Thank you. Next question from Marko Ukalovic. Hey, Benji. Uh, first of all, from one Slavic guy to another, congratulations on your goal. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you is that what have you done recently to earn uh, the trust in Matias to have you start? And what have you done in your game to allow you to be a starter and contribute in the goal you did tonight? I mean, every day I come up, I come to training, work hard, and I do well. And I know that's all you could do, especially when you're not starting early and I'm still young. Uh, you just want to show up every day, work as hard as you can, and whenever you get your opportunity, try to take advantage of it. And I know Matias likes to give guys opportunities. And it's just all about kind of taking that opportunity and how you take it. And I feel like I've done pretty well. Um, I still do think I, there's a, a lot to improve on. Um, but like I said, for me, I just show up, work hard, put in the work, and I think the results will come that way. If not, like I said before, just keep on working, work hard, and everything will fall into place. Thanks, Benji. Thank you, Benji. We're going to take two more questions, starting with Paola Maruri. Good evening. Um, how do you feel to set the tone with this first goal, and how was the celebration with your team? Thank you. I mean, it was, it was good. I was happy to get it. Um, and especially since it was so early, uh, I think we kind of set the tone. And then from there on, we kind of were like, hey, we got this. And we just kept on going. Um, and then obviously, when you score, everyone's happy. You're happy. You're winning. Especially when you win, everyone's happy. So, All right. Thank you, Benji. And our final question from Fabian Renkel. Thank you, Benji, for your time. Uh, congratulations on the win and the goal. I want to talk to you a little bit about um, you, you keep on saying that you want to work on some things. What are, what are some aspects of your game that you feel like you're going to you need to work on? And you've been having a phenomenal you know, rookie season. So what are some next steps in, in your progression? Thank you. Uh, honestly, everything um, from passing, finishing, uh, my touch, everything, uh, defending. Uh, I don't you can't just be good at one thing and not be good at another. So I think you need to be a well-rounded player, and that's how I want to be. And like I said, I'm always going to work hard, and I firmly believe in working hard will get to where you want to be. And um, if I continue to do that, then I think I'm on the right path. All right. Thank you very much, Benji, and congrats on the goal and the victory. Thank you. Okay, so uh, you just got to hear from Benji Kakanovich, Alex Morgan, joining me again. Um, Alex, uh, you know, uh, Benji is a, is a guy who we know, you know, he's, he's got a bit of spunk. He, uh, he doesn't necessarily always answer the press conference question in the way that, let's say, a, a Chris Wondolowski is going, going to say. But I did detect that, you know, he, he had a little bit more humility tonight in the success itself has come from a lot of hard work and it's not been something that, you know, he got thrust into. In fact, he went through a frustrating injury this season and there were a lot of, you know, twenties that he was left out of, you know, early in the season, it took a lot to get to the point of even getting an opportunity. And I thought, you know, tonight it, you know, was kind of the product of, of some of that hard work that he's been putting in. And, and I think, you know, he was he was humble in in the fact that he got the chance and he was able to, to make more of it. Um, and I know there are questions about uh, Jeremy Abobasi's return, and I think we ought to we ought to get to that. But uh, for tonight, right now, Benji Kakanovich is doing, I, I believe, an excellent job at the nine. You know, what did you hear from him? 
you know, tonight that, uh, that, that, uh, that you took away from his press conference? I mean, it's just the confidence that he has uh, is, I think, enviable, uh, Jamin. Uh, whenever he speaks with us, uh, you can just tell that he has confidence in his abilities, uh, in you know his capacity to work hard, capacity to put himself in good situations and take advantage of them. And I think that kind of swagger is something that benefits the Quakes. I think... Uh, Sometimes over the course of the last couple of years, the Quakes can get in their own heads and they can doubt themselves. And uh, you can see them fall victim to these sort of patterns, I, I think destructive patterns in behaviors. But I think having a guy like Benji up top, uh, having uh, that confidence uh, is a, a good thing for this team's mentality and for their resilience. And uh, that's the main thing that I took away from the press conference today, Jamin. Um, you know, obviously he recognizes all the work that he still needs to put in uh, in order to take that next uh, step forward in his game. I think there aren't a ton of expectations for him, uh, given, you know, he's coming uh, where he's coming from in college through the USL pathway. I don't think that many people are expecting him uh, to necessarily do uh, big things in major league soccer, but I think if he continues to grow at the rate that he's growing, I think that that, that certainly opens a world of possibilities for him. Yeah. Pat the Pro, uh, rightfully happy for Benji tonight. They are a big part of the reason that he has this opportunity in MLS and all the great work that they do over there, helping to identify Bay Area youth and giving an opportunity for them to, to shine. And, and Benji's uh, a player that has certainly taken advantage of, of those opportunities so far but you know there's a fair question here and and i think we you know we've all expressed a lot of concern about jeremy abobasi and the head injury um this week we did ask matias almeida i know people think that we're not like pressing on these questions but but the fact is there's it's difficult to answer what's going on with head injuries it's there's a, a number of factors that go into it and for anyone who's actually gone through it you know as a professional and, uh, you know, I've not never gone through it as a professional, but I've had a son who went through it and it affected his soccer playing as well, even though he didn't get it on the pitch. You know, and as a parent of somebody and seeing what he went through and just the struggles of kind of getting back to normalcy months after that happened, um, you know, it's it head injuries are an extremely scary thing and it's really difficult for anyone to pinpoint anything with them. We did ask Matias Almeida midweek about that for anyone who didn't get to see the press conference our five dollar fifteen dollar subscribers on our patreon get access to the press conferences for anyone else alex uh, if i remember right you even asked the question uh, about jeremy abobasi uh you know uh, share with everyone what uh, matias almeida said midweek matias almeida said that his recovery was going well uh both both uh, shay salinas and Jeremy Abobasi, actually. Shea Salinas has been out with an undisclosed injury. His progress has been uh, positive. He was in the 20 tonight, actually, for the first time uh, in a while. So that's uh, positive news about uh, Shea Salinas. Uh, in terms of Jeremy Abobasi, he was not in the 20 tonight. And I think his timeline for recovery is a little more unclear. Uh, Almeida said that uh, the tests have gone well. Uh, he has passed all of the uh, tests and uh, sort of check-ins and, and protocols that Major League Soccer has in place and the Quakes have in place for these head injuries and these concussions. Uh, and at this point, a lot of it has to do with Jeremy's own comfort level because he has had multiple concussions in the past. Uh, and obviously, uh, it, it's a terrible injury and, and he struggled with that injury in the past. So it's more about him getting the comfort level and confidence to trust in himself that he is ready uh, to return because with head injuries, you just should not take any chances. Uh, and I, I think given that uh, Benji Kikanovich is playing well, there's no real rush at this point uh, to reintegrate uh, Jeremy back into this team. Uh, and so I think the Quakes are going to play it conservative on this one. I think Jeremy is going to play it uh, conservative on this one uh, and, and take all the time he needs to, to get back to full health. And obviously uh, we all wish him the best in, in doing that. Yeah, and uh, by the you know, and and uh, Rick uh, Owens here uh, giving us a good reminder. We do need to keep it uh, PG and 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 clean in the chat, guys. 
Um, the uh, yeah, I just put a user in timeout for spreading fake information there about Shofis. He was not indicted for anything that happened while he was at Shivas. That was his um, that was his teammate that was indicted. Uh, Shofis was not involved. He was cleared of it, but he was uh, suspended by the team for being at the party uh, where where there was uh, there was a, a rape allegation that happened. So. Uh, setting that on the side, um, let's uh, let's get back to the discussion about the strikers. And I think you bring up a good point there, Alex, because uh, we do have, uh, you know, when 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 you have a player like Benji, you know, who is really kind of playing well and, and is and is teaming up there, you know, with Shofis in a really good way, um, and they're really kind of pushing each other and helping each other, you know, play better. It does feel like the Quakes can uh, and should absolutely should. Uh, take the time to make sure that everything is right with Jeremy, that Jeremy takes the, the time to make sure everything is right with him. There is no reason to rush to get him back on the pitch. The Quakes signed a new long-term contract. You want to have him as a part of this team for many years to come. And of course, you know, uh, Benji's playing certainly makes it so that, you know, it doesn't feel like the playoffs are in jeopardy as maybe people initially reacted hearing that Jeremy Abobasi was going to be out with a head injury and the Quakes slipping further below the playoff line, lo and behold, they've won two straight games without Jeremy Abobasi, uh, you know, because of the play of Shofis and, and the play of Benji and many others as well. Uh, the team is just playing at a better level. And, uh, in, and now they've gotten the back-to-back -back wins and they're sitting, I believe, I was just looking at the live a minute ago, let's just double check it. They are, you know, effectively three points out of the playoffs right now, that playoff line is not at eight, it's at seven this season. LAFC, Vancouver, San Jose, all sitting on 33 behind Real Salt Lake with 36. Um, it's going to take, uh, a uh, Alex, they calculate it's probably going to take about 48 points uh, to determine who is going to get the seventh playoff position in the West this season. The Quakes coming into tonight had to get two points per game to be able to get to that magic 48. If indeed that is the number that is necessary for, for them to get. So anytime they can get, you know, three points at this point, you know, they need to every single home game, you really got to get, get three points. And on the road, you're going to need to probably at least get a draw uh, in order to make sure that you keep up that, that two point pace. That's really what the quicks are looking at from here on out. And that just assumes that all the other teams, you know, are kind of like up and down and do the things that mid-table teams do. Uh, and that uh, the 48 points is really all it's going to take uh, to get there. It could be more, in which case they're going to need to average over two points per game the rest of the way. What do you think right now, you know, in terms of the, like those teams that you see kind of at that playoff line, LAFC being one of them, Vancouver, been playing uh, more strongly recently. In fact, uh, seven wins at home. They've they've not been very good on the road, but um, you know they they've been a strong side at home this season. Um, you know those are those are dangerous teams. LAFC not at full strength right now, as we know. But once they get there, you know they are they are definitely a dangerous team. I think the Quakes definitely have it in them to make the playoffs at this point, Jamin, uh, given the fact that they're hitting a strong run of form right now. But I think that there are also a couple of things working against them. I think uh, the schedule is one thing that's working against them. Uh, this year, the sort of uneven distribution of matches and with the odd number of teams in Major League Soccer in the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference, the fact that not all teams in the Western Conference are playing the same Eastern Conference teams in the way that these games have been scheduled, I think makes it really unpredictable uh, and, and a little unfair in, in, from my perspective. Uh, and then I think that the other thing that's working against them is these injuries. You saw another one tonight uh, with Nathan going down with that pretty scary uh, shoulder injury. Uh, looked like it could have been like a dislocated shoulder, maybe even a collarbone injury. I was really surprised that he was able to get up tonight and continue in that game. I thought uh, I, I was pretty convinced that the Quakes were going to have to uh, sub, sub him out and, and, and that could be a, a bad injury. And so uh, going to definitely get an update on that at midweek, how his shoulder's doing. And hopefully for the, for the Quakes, it's not a long-term injury because Tanner Beeson was out tonight with a questionable injury. Uh, and, and I, the Quakes 
don't have room for error at this point. That's for certain. It's it's going to be close, and, and they don't have room for more of these injuries at, at this stage in the season, Jamin. Yeah, Tanner Buesen with a left thigh injury. Chase Salinas back on the pitch tonight. Alex, uh, you know, we both uh, both have some information, but unfortunately uh, not able to share publicly uh, why Shea has been off the pitch, but really good um, and encouraging to see him back on the pitch tonight. Um, and uh, starting to get some of those minutes again. He's he's been a, a captain for this team wearing that armband uh, through the mid uh, stretch of the season here. Um, someone obviously Matias Almeida feels very confident putting in onto the pitch as either a starter or a substitute in, in really any game in almost any situation. Um, I just feel you know so much so much better knowing that Chase Lance is is back on the pitch for the San Jose Earthquakes. A hundred percent, Jamin. And before we wrap up and go to our final thoughts here, uh, I do want to plug uh, our Patreon uh, for Quake's Epicenter. Uh, everything from the Patreon goes back to supporting us and supporting this show. Uh, you can see the link right there. The link's also in the description uh, to sign up. We really appreciate all your support, uh, all the comments that we've referenced tonight, everybody who's joined us uh, and watching us. Uh, if you want to contribute more, Patreon's the way to do it. Uh, for $2 a month, you can get uh, behind-the-scenes access, early access to all of Quake's Epicenter articles. You can get early access to Jamin's article that he wrote about uh, the speed of Benji Kanovich and Cade Cowell up top. Uh, I think that's a great example of the kind of content you're going to find on the website. And then for $5 a month, uh, you can uh, sign up for our Slack channel, Quake's Epicenter Slack channel. We we have all our takes that are too spicy for Twitter and uh, live running commentary during the game. We have a wonderful community of supporters on the Slack chat. Uh, so I uh, highly encourage everyone to check that out. And I want to go back to you, Jamin, for your final thoughts on tonight's match. Well, I'm just, uh, it's good to see uh, the team, you know, not have to, you know, battle the officials and battle uh, you know, just all these other factors that seem to come into play and how much time is in stoppage time and just, you know, all these things that, you know, I think typically in the uh, in the Slack that you were mentioning, the Quakes Epicenter patron Slack, you know, there's a lot of freaking out at times, uh, you know, around these situations. And I think tonight, definitely a question, at least in terms of the yellow card that was given to, to Christian Espinoza. But for the most part, the Quakes had, you know, this game in hand a lot more, chill night shall we say uh in the uh, in the slack although uh uh um you know there were there were some some all caps at times um it, it's it's good to see that that they were able to get a home victory against a team that was you know lacking some players uh they should have gotten a victory tonight they did get a victory tonight and that's what you want to see from this team going forward the games that they have in front of them you want to see home wins with them being able to create the kind of shots that they did tonight. By the way, only, I, I think it was like 10 shots tonight um, total, but the quality of them was high. And that's why they were able to get, you know, two goals. I was looking at the shot chart before we came on the air and everything was in front of the goal, even the ones that were from outside the box. And there was only a couple of those tonight. Um, you know, they were from in front of the goal. And as you know, Alex, I love to talk about where goals come from. Tonight was a good example of when you do the right things, you make the right passes, you create the right danger in the right situation, high probability chances happen, and balls go in the back of the net more often than not. If you didn't get the uh, reference there, Jamin has a uh, stats modeling um, project called Where Goals Come From. I encourage everyone to check that out. It is at the cutting edge of uh, data analytics in soccer. Very cool. Uh, you can find that on his Twitter at at jmorequakes. And I agree with you, Jamin. This one was a very calm, very placid victory for the Quakes. And I'll admit, I enjoy the controversy. I think we have a lot of fun on the show here after the 4-3, uh, 3-4 victories and losses. But it's definitely not a sustainable uh, sort of pattern for the Quakes. And so this was a very positive uh, victory, a very positive sign. And I think you're going to jump in here, Jamin. Well, I, I, you know, just going to say, like, you know, you've now gone through three straight games where, you know, they've kind of shed this one goal, no goal 
thing. And, and now you've seen them put in three goals, four goals and, and two goals in successive games. And, and, you know, that's, again, that's a product of a better shot selection. Yes. Shofis is doing amazing things, but one of the reasons Shofis is doing amazing things is because he's getting into good situations. He's creating dangerous chances or others are creating dangerous chances for him. And they're taking advantage of those situations, right? Uh, we talked about even when it comes to something like uh, the Olympico that he scored, um, you know, uh, a couple uh, a week ago, like he took advantage of a, of a situation. He's got that kind of ball that is a dangerous ball. And if that goes whips in at the front post or whips in at the back post, it's going to create danger. Is it going to go in? You know, nine times out of 10, of course not, right? It's going to be, you know, one time out of 20 or whatever the case is. But, you know, it's, it's still taking advantage of the probabilities in a way that is going to produce better results than not. And, you know, it's just all of a sudden now the Quakes, I think, are finding those, again, high leverage opportunities and taking advantage of that. And they're, uh, they were, you know, tonight they pre at least prevented the same out of LAFC. LAFC actually uh, got more expected goals than the Quakes in this game because they outshot the Quakes, but they weren't the same type of quality situations that the Quakes were getting. And that's really the difference when it comes down to it at the end of the day. Absolutely, Jamin. And I do want you to pull up this comment here from Rick Owens. Jamin is insanely talented. We are lucky to have him. Uh, I absolutely second that comment. Uh, give a round of applause for appreciation for Jamin tonight. Uh, the San Jose Earthquakes will play the Seattle Sounders uh, midweek Wednesday night, then Vancouver Whitecaps next Saturday. We will be here with you at the Aftershock podcast uh, YouTube show for uh, all of our post-game coverage. We appreciate everyone for joining us tonight, all your comments and all your support. Uh, for Alex Morning, for Jamin Moore, uh, it's been a pleasure and we will see you later.